As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Cradio. How Christianity has made sense of human suffering. A talk by Rev. Campbell Markham at the Christopher Dawson Centre for Cultural Studies 2018 Colloquium. great pleasure to be able to contribute to the colloquium where we will assess Christianity's contribution to the world over the next uh, 24 hours or so. And I would like to speak this afternoon about how Christianity has made sense of human suffering. The age-old question is, has been, can any good arise from suffering? Can any good arise from suffering? Humanity has ever wrestled with that question. For although ubiquitous, suffering comes to humanity as something alien. It comes to us as an enemy, baffling the imagination, affronting the intelligence, as someone once put it. The 17th century poet Anne Killigrew wrote, wretched Truly wretched human race, your woes from what beginning shall I trace? Where end from your first feeble newborn cries to the last tears that wet your dying eyes? The 21st century Western society struggles especially to deal with suffering, to make sense of suffering, because to the extent that we have embraced philosophical materialism, to that same extent must we deny any transcendental meaning to our life. And if there's no transcendental meaning to our life, there can be even less meaning to our pain and suffering. Viktor Frankl, the Holocaust survivor, who later became a psychiatrist, a psychologist, I believe, wrote that he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. But we don't know why. And so suffering has become a series of pointless and unpleasant sensations to be at all costs avoided. If life has no meaning, if pain can have no purpose, then why prolong it? And it is is in this milieu that euthanasia makes all the sense in the world. Now at this point, Christianity has something vital to contribute. And by Christianity, I mean that system of life and thought built on the Bible, God's written word, which is, if you like, Christianity's constitution. And you can thank David for inviting a Protestant along to the uh, colloquium to to get that particular definition. Because uh, the Bible makes, the Bible explains the meaning of our life, and the Bible also explains suffering. And moreover, it doesn't just explain suffering, but it transforms suffering from something hideously meaningless to something with tremendous purpose and even beauty. And I think that that's that's very exciting, that we can come to a world that has come to think that there is no point to suffering, there can be nothing good about suffering, and we can come and say, actually, there is a point to it, there is meaning to it, And there can even be great beauty to it. I think the Christian thinker that I have come to see has made this most clear was Adolphe Monod. 
And Monod was born in 1802. He was the son of a, a French Reformed pastor. His family was large, prosperous, loving, happy and privileged. Aldolf was highly intelligent. He had an outstanding education. Every pathway was open to him and he followed in his father's footsteps and trained for the pastorate at l'Académie de Genève. Yet in adulthood, he suffered incessantly and severely. Mental trials, family strife, profound hostility against his ministry and chronic sickness. In 1854, age 52, Bonon was diagnosed with terminal hepatoma, liver cancer. Palliative care was primitive, pain relief was in its infancy, and he endured his final two years with acute and increasing pain. In fact, he kept an iron bar in his bed that he would grip to control the pain. In his last months, friends and family were invited weekly to Monod's Paris home to share a simple church service and communion. And from his deathbed, he preached 25 sermons that are explicitly or implicitly concerned with suffering. And these talks were published in Paris in the year after his death. And they were called Les Adieux d'Aldolf Monod, à ses amis et à l'église. The farewells of Aldolf Monod. Monod, by the way, spelled M-O-N-O-D, to his friends and to the church. And I had the great privilege of translating this work last year. Today, I'd like to look at 10 lessons that Monod brings out of the Bible about human suffering, showing how Christianity makes sense of human suffering and how Christianity even beautifies suffering. And I'm going to move quickly through these 10 points. First of all, Monod shows that the Bible teaches that suffering is derived from sin. Not sins, but sin, human rebellion, disobedience, the breaking of God's law. And that human suffering is the just consequence of human sin. When we understand sin, rebellion against God that ruptures us from God's presence and life and blessing, then we can understand suffering. And what this means is that suffering is not meaningless. It's not senseless. It's not purposeless. There's a cause to it. There's a reason behind it. And that means that we are capable of going beyond merely enduring it to actually understanding it. All suffering, is the second point, is justly deserved. And what Monod pointed out is that we suffer far less than what we deserve. He said that we have only a vague feeling of the nature and deserts of our sin. And this results in a bitter injustice for suffering. But when we grasp sin's heinousness, suffering's bitterness is lifted. For whatever our suffering, we can know that we receive infinitely less than what we deserve. And Holy Communion is a great help here for, as Monod wrote, in the presence of the poured out blood and broken flesh of Christ, we see what sin deserves. The third point is that the Bible teaches that and this is quite astonishing, but the message to a suffering world is this, that God's own son, Jesus Christ, himself suffered. And Monod said that he suffered distress surpassing anything known to humanity. 
And he tells of Jesus' career of suffering and humiliation, his Gethsemane struggle, his crucifixion, and his howl of dereliction upon the cross. Why did Christ suffer? Well, Monod showed that, Monod boldly asserted that God's love, when there is no suffering, fails to find a pathway to our heart. And Jesus took on flesh to be able to suffer in order that we might pay attention to his love. And so in Jesus, we see simultaneously the horror, the enormity and the terror of sin and the greatness and profound incomprehensibility of God's mercy. Fourthly, the Bible teaches that Jesus' suffering guaranteed an end to his people's suffering. Monod wrote that the cross of Jesus Christ is the centre of all suffering and absorbs all suffering. And that is because his death dealt with sin, the cause of our suffering. Jesus is the propitiatory victim who by his death reconciles us with God. And ultimately, Jesus will deliver his people from all suffering. His public resurrection is the guarantee of this. Monod wrote, if he died, we die. If he rises, we rise. If he ascends to heaven, we will ascend there. The resurrection of our Saviour has already shown to our eyes our own resurrection. What an immense blessing and privilege it is for the Christian who visibly contemplates in Jesus Christ their own resurrection. Fifthly, the Bible teaches that Christian suffering signifies solidarity with Christ. And Monod saw Jesus' suffering recapitulated in the Christian. First in the morning in the desert, as he wrote, then in the evening in Gethsemane, and then in the afternoon in Golgotha. The sorrowful Christian more or less resembles the man of sorrows. And so Monod pointed out that if our suffering, Christian suffering, occurs in solidarity with Christ. That suffering is therefore a privilege. For the more I suffer, he said, the more I resemble him. He wrote that when I suffer, I know that I belong to him, that he calls me, and that I begin to enter into God's plans and to understand his ways. I join my cross to Jesus' cross, and my suffering to his suffering. Sixthly, The Bible teaches that Christian suffering, far from being purposeless, sanctifies the church, grows the church, purges the church, if you like. By linking suffering to our sin and joy to our sanctification and deliverance, God teaches us to hate our sin. And Monod quotes 1 Peter chapter 4, where the apostle wrote, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh... Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. When I put it bluntly, if we are going to break with sin, then we must suffer. And so he urged his friends to see in himself, not just a man in pain, but to see the sanctifying work that God wants to accomplish in me and in you. Seventhly, Monod pointed out that the Christian's suffering blesses others. 
The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And in the light of love, both life and death, therefore, are both enormous goods. Suffering through love, Mino pointed out, becomes a blessing to others. And he wrote these, I think, very moving words. He said, I am not a Stoic. By the grace of God, I am a Christian. And I'm not ashamed to say that there are times when I pray less than I weep and shed tears. I recall only that my Saviour also cried loudly with tears. What sustained Mino? What sustained him was the knowledge that his suffering could be a blessing and a help to others. And this is a a tremendous breakthrough for any person to discover that my suffering is not pointless, but it can be used to actually help others and used to bless others. Listen to the way he put it. He said, It is such a grace for me, my dear friends, that God, having willed to choose one from among us to bring to the minds of the others these life lessons, these thoughts of death, of sin, of grace, and of sanctification, that he graciously chose me. What a privilege that by choosing me, he has spared my friends. And what a privilege that he has chosen me to give you the lessons of eternal life. Astonishing words, aren't they? Mano said that the suffering person brings lessons and blessings to others. And what a privilege that God chose me to be able to do that. Here's a man who has been truly transformed in his understanding of human suffering. He saw that his suffering caused others to contemplate death, eternity and the gospel and that it inspired Christian unity and prayer and brought a a spirit of peace and serenity to his home. And this is, I believe, Monod's distinctive contribution to the Christian understanding of suffering. He said that our suffering should be the suffering of love, not of selfishness. It should not call our attention to ourselves, but should call us first to glorify God and call us next to our neighbours to do them good. How? By the example which a Christian can give in suffering and by the patience which God gives to us to endure suffering. There are treasures of love and power in Christian suffering, he wrote. Remember, he wrote this while suffering in his deathbed. And Minot said that if we're going to do this, if we're going to be a blessing to others in our suffering, then we must, in his words, conquer our suffering. And he said that sadness, an uneven temper, practicing your own pleasure, pursuing selfishness, the common thirst for glory, are just obstacles that surround and harass us without end. We must conquer these things. And ultimately, we conquer our suffering by the power of love. He said we must be penetrated by the thought that we do not belong to ourselves. When you are sick, when you suffer, how can you find consolation if you find in yourself the goal of your life? The goal of life is then completely lost. Sickness teaches us that we must find the goal of life elsewhere, that we live not to be happy on earth, but to glorify God. And we can do this in sickness and in health, and often even better in sickness. 
And so eighthly, Minot pointed out that Christian suffering ultimately glorifies our Creator. He said that you would think that those who suffer would be excluded from the privilege of glorifying God, absorbed as they are by the sadness and pain of life. Not at all. These are the ones who are especially called to glorify God. They find in their suffering, as they found in their atoned sins, the greatest way of giving glory to the one who has taught us to say, when I am weak, then I am strong. He went on to say, what consolation for those who suffer, to be able to say, I can by my suffering, that I bear patiently and peacefully, while waiting for that which will be joyful and glorious. I can, by my suffering, give to God a glory that I could not otherwise have given to him. What infinite sweetness the suffering find in this thought. It is above all because of this that suffering becomes a privilege. Yes, to suffer is a privilege for the Christian. To suffer much is a special privilege. And his ninth point that Christian suffering, therefore, brings, is capable of bringing profound personal peace and joy. Paradoxically, the crucified life is the happiest life because even in the midst of tasting the most bitter sufferings, we can scatter around us the most precious blessings, Monod wrote. And we can do this when we know God's love for us. God wants us to know, he wrote, that if the earth is capable of striking and troubling us, it is incapable of separating us from heaven's virtues and of annihilating the promises of God. The earth can throw neither a veil nor even the lightest cloud over the love of God, the love by which God loved us in Christ Jesus. And so Monod referred to mon affliction, Ma bienheureuse affliction, my, my affliction, my very happy affliction. And so finally, tenthly and finally, in Jesus Christ, Monod discovered, suffering is transformed, for it is he who helps us to endure our suffering. And he wrote these very beautiful words. He said, Between the Son of Deity and me, there are so many things, a path so long that I need the Lord near me, as a shield which surrounds me on all sides, whose heart presses against my heart, whose arms constantly hold and surround me. So I can say of him in a whisper, and without anyone else in the world understanding it, I am for you, and you are for me. I know who you are, my God and my brother, and you know who I am, your child and your servant, who despite all these infirmities believes in you, who groans for believing so little, and who aspires to believe so as to be able to glorify you in the most bitter trials. And so, Munoz said, preached from his deathbed, our perspective on suffering is completely revolutionised with Jesus Christ. And this is my final quote from him. He said, Am I poor? All the riches of the world are mine, for they belong to Christ, who belongs to God. He knows exactly how to give to me, with him and by him, all the riches of the world 
if they are useful to me. So if in the place of riches he gives me poverty, this is better for me and the result of God's choice. The entire world with all its glories and its power belongs to me because they belong to my Father who would give them to me tomorrow and who could give them to me today if this was good for me for he disposes of these things according to his will. Am I sick? Health is mine, strength is mine, well-being is mine and a perfect enjoyment of all the good things of life is mine. For all these things are Christ's who belongs to God and who gives these things according to his will. Upon whom will he scatter these things if not upon me, his child? So, if he refuses these things to me today for a fleeting moment, which passes like a weaver's shuttle, he has his reasons for this. It is that there are in these sufferings and in this bitterness hidden blessings which are better for me than that health which seems so precious and that well-being which seems so sweet. He does not withhold anything good except to give me something better. This is my consolation. It is everything in his love. So how can we assess, to wrap up, Christianity's contribution to a suffering world? As I said before, Western society knows little, if any, objective human value or purpose and really despairs of finding such a purpose. And suffering with that kind of mindset is grotesquely pointless. If the church cannot address the acute problem of suffering in the world, then it's going to fail to connect with the world. In fact, it's going to fail even to survive. If we do not, if we do not defeat the problem of suffering the problem of suffering will defeat us. And Adolf Monod, and he was building on a rich heritage, of course, shows that the church can and must bring a powerful contribution to this suffering world. We can and must show that suffering is neither meaningless nor absurd, that suffering has been conquered in God's Son, Jesus, And in Christ Jesus, suffering is transformed from something hideously meaningless to something with tremendous purpose and even beauty. And we bring this contribution to the world most powerfully in our own suffering. Our suffering constrains us from self-indulgence to love others. Our suffering reminds others of their mortality, of what human sin deserves, of our need for redemption. And when In Christ's love, we triumph over suffering and endure it without bitterness. People will see him and the hope that he brings. That means that Christianity enables us to move beyond simply enduring suffering to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, for the sake of Christ, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. And so, with these final words, Bonneau teaches us to step away from ourselves, to reject selfish sadness, which is without faith and without love, so that our suffering might be like a cross planted in the earth. Those who come under the shadow of this cross will find refuge. It won't give them eternal life, 
but it will show them the way that leads there. That was Reverend Campbell Markham with How Christianity Has Made Sense of Human Suffering. This presentation was part of the Christopher Dawson Centre for Cultural Studies 2018 colloquium on the theme A World Without Christianity, which was hosted in Hobart, Australia. For more talks, interviews and shows, visit cradio.org.au.